the property pod. Pod. pod welcome to the property pod with moneyweb the property sector is an ever-changing sector and in this podcast series your host suren naidu chats to movers and shakers in the property industry hello this is the property pod it's almost the end of women's month but to cap it off from a property perspective, we have Portia Tau-Sikati, CEO of the Property Sector Charter Council, on this latest podcast to chat about broad-based black economic empowerment as well as women empowerment in the industry. My name is Suren Naidu, and on this MoneyWeb podcast show, we chat to leading executives, analysts, and developers in South Africa's expansive property industry. Broad-based black economic empowerment and transformation in general are burning topics in the country, especially with many sectors of the economy still lagging on this front. Porsche, welcome to the Property Pod. Looking forward to chatting to you about how property is performing on the beef side. Thank you, Siren, and thank you for inviting us to the Property Pod. Now, Porsche, the, the Property Sector Charter Council plays a key role in um, transformation or driving the transformation agenda in the broader property sector. How has the sector performed um, since uh, the the Charter Council came into being? Yeah, thank you, Seren. And I think your question relates to as it since the Charter came into being. So basically, I mean, the first property sector code was gazetted in 2012. So this year marks decade of uh, from the first property sector code that was gazetted. So we are assessing basically in terms of how that we have actually done in the last 10 years. But I'm pleased to actually announce that this year in 2022, we saw a nice pickup from level five in the last two years. In 2020, the performance was at level five. 2021, again, it was at level five. And this year, there was a pickup at level four. So um, there has been a relatively good progress, which is actually stemming from the last couple of years before the regress to level five. We have been steadling along at level four. So we see a comeback again in the performance or contributor level um, of the property sector as a whole under level four. And that's what um, at least that progress that has been registered for 2022. Now, uh, that progress, uh, what has been behind the the improvement from level five to level four for the broader industry in terms of B overall score, as it were? Yeah. So, Saran, in the last couple of years, a few elements that actually we have also been concerned about that has actually um, has been showing a very steady but pro, uh, steady but um, very steady decline has been particularly on three elements, management control, employment equity, and uh, skill development. And we see that in the last couple of years, as we assess the performance um, in terms of transformation, it was very clear that where we are doing where we are doing well, we are getting better. Where we are doing badly, it was getting worse. And as the saying goes, you can expect different results from doing the same thing. So I think, and we could see it in the last couple of years that skill, uh, all of those three elements actually were really continuing to go down. So we had actually had to put quite um and some few efforts in terms of being able to change the trajectory so that those three elements then start to change. And it is of no surprise that 
the three elements really took the same direction together, mm. mainly because, of course, when under employment equity, if you don't have the right people at the different layers, whether at senior, middle, junior level, you are unlikely to be able to have anybody that then picks up at Exco and Menco and executive to pick up under management control. And if you don't have those people in place, you are likely to have enough spend for you to actually then spend in skill development in that space. You'll always have people unskilled that are there, but you won't be able to pick up enough skill development to register um, a good expected progress in terms of skill development. So those have been mainly the major contributor into that space. However, coming on to 2020-2021, then that also over and above that aspects, the aspects of procurement have been hit. Procurement was really impacted. So it did, um, there wasn't as much procurement as actually as it happened. And as well, as well with the impact on um the property sector in terms of performance because of COVID. And I was just going to ask you about that. Uh, so, so it wasn't intentional. It was more because of the economic hit from COVID that uh, affected preferential procurement numbers, as it were. It, it, it has been. So it, it's been on some of the performance that we're lagging behind and that overlaid with the challenges that we were facing that obviously result in, in that impact. So it exacerbated the... the, the it exacerbated that um, underperformance from that perspective. And not to mention the fact that skill development was not doing very well. It even got worse in 2020 before everybody get themselves up with their technological ability to be able to drive training. So you would recall that from March when there was a hard lockdown, literally there was a standstill. Nothing really happened from skill development until people towards the latter part of that year started to figure out, okay, this is still doable using technological means and facilities. So only at that point. So besides the fact that it wasn't doing well over and above that, then you got the COVID. You then had procurement issues that uh, exacerbated the issues, but including social economic development, which is almost like, uh, which is a CSI, mm. you see that because there was less contact and less people at the offices, things such as that is normally planned, like Mandela Day, people didn't do Mandela Day. People really kept and worked from home and some of the programs that they had, um, even the donations because of not wanting to touch too many things that then get touched somewhere else and to limit interaction. So that also got hit a little bit from that perspective. So there has been also some broad contributions as well from other macro and impacts from the pandemic. And then the civil unrest that happened in July also just added on to that impact as well. So that civil unrest, and we're starting to feel the effects even more this year. And which element did it specifically hit? It's what we refer to as economic development, which is an element where we were encouraging developed in under-resourced areas to basically say to the developers, please go do development where under normal circumstances you would not consider to do development. Why is that the case? The reason is more to then uplift the communities around where those new developments would be in order to actually transform those communities around. Bosha, 
Coming back to the other elements of the scorecard, before you talked about skills being a poor performer, what were the better performance prior to that? And are those sectors or those elements continuing to perform relatively well? For example, ownership and some of the the more important, as it were, elements of the scorecard. Okay, so there are other elements and ownership is one of the critical ones. And I can actually give you the context around elements and the performance, but I think what would actually even give a better context would be if we split ownership from few segments. So let's talk ownership from commercial and I'll talk ownership from the residential because if I combine it together, it may not even give a a proper, um, uh, well-articulated context. Mm. So from commercial, we see there has been quite um, a few progressive moves from the commercial industry in order to get a lot of ownership in with a commercial industry. The question that is critical and most importantly is, have we seen a lot of fruition uh, and have we seen from that um, initiatives that have been done in driving ownership, have we seen a lot of impact? Not yet, but at least the progress has started. And that is on the commercial side. Before we go to residential, just on that ownership side, uh, surely the likes of like a PIC and government, you know, the, the government employees pension fund, those are contributing to the better performance of a, from an ownership perspective. But is there active change in terms of maybe perhaps more the listed side in terms of transformation? I must admit, you know, there hasn't been too many big uh, notable BE deals in the last few years, other than perhaps maybe a Baldwin. And I know Emira was involved in some deals recently. So you will probably see there has been some deals that have happened, but maybe not necessarily at a big scale in that way. And you will see a lot more of of such in that instance. So, and where have you, are you starting to see the deals really? The deals are more at an asset level. So, and what has actually been driven it is, so you would see basically where you see, um, let's say an engineering company that actually resides or operate from a, an office space that's owned by one of the big listed entity. So the initiative, uh, how that uh, kind of conversation would start would be that um, that kind of organization. And there's a, quite a few, including the law companies. So those kind of companies, then they would go to the landlords and say, Mr. Landlord, you are our biggest procurer. However, unfortunately, you don't have the right be credential and that impacts on our scorecard. Mm. Um, so you then you then see the conversation going in the direction of that tenant having that ownership discussions with that landlord and you see partnering of the ownership at an asset level um, and where the benefit then allies for both of them and said, okay, so let's talk about the ownership, but that's so in return. Also, let's talk about what are you looking at the tenure in terms of leasing that ownership. So those discussion has happened from that perspective rather than from the group perspective. And the challenge where it has happened from group perspective as a whole, obviously financing has become a very big thing. Mm. And that has become easier 
at asset levels because it's not a those huge numbers that are difficult and complicated um, money to raise, but at an asset level becomes reasonable. And now being a participant and being a tenant at those assets actually makes it quite a easier uh, conversations to have even with the funders from, from that perspective. So there has been an, that from that side from the commercial industry. So it has happened a lot more at an asset level rather than from a big. We haven't seen, as you have mentioned, and very correctly so the big ones that's happening from um, a group level a lot so you but rather seeing a lot more of smaller and very targeted ownership transactions that have happened uh, turning to the residential side i don't want to put words in your mouth but uh, i anticipate you're going to say that it's not too good because I, uh, you might want to include a little bit on um, like you might have a listed company like Baldwin doing a BE deal, but uh, residential also includes re- real estate agencies. And Absolutely. You, you can't even have a handful of uh, black-owned real estate agency brands in South Africa. It's very clearly so. And Baldwin deal was one of the big highlights, I think, from that perspective. So Baldwin and that transaction that happened well, I think concluded fully, I think, much earlier this year. Mm. Uh, but the conversation started a while ago also with, well, look, they had started a conversation a while ago, but, you know, slowly with the complication of these transactions, uh, it has its own complexities, but obviously then concluded much uh, later then. But um, from the residential side, having said so, you are absolutely correct. We haven't seen a lot of those kind of transactions that are, that are happening. However, what has subsequently then happened is that in the 1st of January, there has been a promulgation of a legislation, particularly from uh, the regulator, which is the State Agency Affairs Board, previously known to be, and now currently is known to be the Property Practitioners Regulatory Authority, the acronym is PPRA. Mm. And with the PPRA in place, the legislation, the Property Practitioners Act, one of the key fundamentals of why that act was uh, was put into being was really to be able to drive transformation into that space. Now, the PPRA now will be regulating about 12 sectors over and above even the estate agents. But uh, talking about estate agencies in particular, one of the requirements of uh, the PPRA is that um, all estate agencies will have to then be able to submit their BEE in order to get their fidelity fund certificate. And their fidelity fund certificate is actually a trade certificate for them to continue to trade. So that will then be happening in that space and that was done so in order to start seeing traction towards uh, transformation within uh, the property sector. I mean, in total, the registered estate agencies, there's about 15,000 that are registered with the regulator and a very few brands, if any at all. I mean, 27 brands out of that 15,000 actually account for almost close to about 70% of what they make in that industry. So there hasn't been very big, strong ones if any at all, that are normally from previously disadvantaged. Majority of those that you have have been um, old, established, wide entities that have always been there, particularly most of them being family-owned businesses and where things such as governance, it's very self-contained and should I say uh, very loosely 
uh, managed so you don't have conversations you would have in the commercial industry that is done under social and ethics uh, where it is properly controlled and just you would want to see what your social and ethics is looking like whether are you abiding to all the laws in the country that you're operating in so that being a family owned it's very loose it's not properly governed in that perspective so there was a limited move for or limited force for the real estate agencies to even consider BEE. And because they were mainly servicing consumers and customers who were not even requesting for BEE certificate for them, they saw no need for them to then uh, be able to even venture into that space. So we've seen it now, given the promulgation of that act in February, now we're starting to get a lot of inquiry. What is a BEE? What does it look like? Uh, Where do we find it? Who has it? How do we account? How does one get it? And what does it mean? And so on. And this is the consciousness is coming more from the fact that now for you to get the trade certificate, um, you then you then need a BEE. So you see the consciousness that was not necessarily there. And but however, having said so, the Property Practitioners Act does not require you to have any specific level. For now, we are driving the consciousness. And this is where now we are balancing economy, the performance of the economy, and also the consciousness in terms of BE. So we don't want to say to anybody, we don't want to close down. So, oh, if you don't have the right level, we're going to close you down. Our economy can't afford it at this point. Um, we can't afford to be closing down anything. If anything else, we need to for help find things that help us accelerate the growth of our economy in order to drive employment, um, particularly as a major challenge. So we're not necessarily requesting any level of BEE. So we are starting progressively in saying, submit your BEE and your BEE certificate. And how that would help us is that, one, we will have a very clear picture in terms of where the performance is and where the performance is lacking. And now we will be able to clearly articulate where the lack is and be able to come up with specific interventions of what we can do in order to improve that space with that discussion. So, and then later on, as and when we start to pick up where we are and where we are lacking and why and creating and getting an understanding of why we're lacking in that space, we will put those interventions in place but we could also then find some means of also creating and putting more pressure um, in certain areas later on um, now that the consciousness is there and the understanding is there to be able to then drive transformation in that particular um, industry in the property sector. That's a topic on its own from what you say, uh, but very interesting information coming out there. Posha, Turning things slightly uh, to to August, what about women empowerment? How how does that fit into the whole black economic empowerment side of property? Because you do have quite a few women faces in the industry. I would argue uh, more women that I see in higher levels of property than some of the other sectors. But what's your thoughts on that as a female CEO as well that's driving uh, transformation through the property sector charter council? So certainly, without a doubt, there has been a better performance in terms of women in the industry. To the 
reverse of what I've just actually said in the state agencies. You know, um, there's about, I mean, I did say that agencies in terms of companies, there's about 15,000. But in terms of performance, in terms of agents, so if you were to count individual agents, there's about a total about 49,000 odd of which in the residential industry, close to about 55% of that 49,000, it's actually females. So there's a lot more females in there as estate agents in their residential industry than there are males. The only difference where is that once you actually start to segment that industry, so so it's more there's more females in terms of numbers, but normally we would then segment that industry because there's um internships, learnership and internships, you've got full status agents, you've got principals and then you've got attorneys and, and other. The only time where you actually then start to see majority in total, there's 55% uh, versus 49% male. However, in principles, there's still more males. So meaning principles are owners of agencies. Um, there's more males than females, which is yes. one of the things. And um, as we talk about program which PPRA refers to as primpalization, um, which I'm not so sure for whether it's a proper English word or not, but never the point is more how do we bring more principles into that space um, and particularly more females. So that is the space from the residential that there are certainly more women than there are males. And in the commercial, on the other hand, you are starting to get um, a broad filter. It has been actually very, very male-wide dominated industry, but you are starting to get a lot of females that are coming in and becoming very strong into very prominent positions. And there are actually also, you would see it in there, a few of the listed sectors as well. But what we did as well one of the reports that we released together with uh, WPN, Women Property Network, and um, the report is the state of gender diversity, particularly in the listed industry. And we looked at uh, this report um, and we looked at it from 2013 going all the way. And there's an, we will continue to review this on, on, a, on an annual basis that out of, um, I mean, particularly on the REIT, uh, 235 billion uh, rent market cap of the REITs, there has been a total increase in terms of executive director, although the numbers are still not exactly there, but you're starting to see an increase. Females that are non-executives have 28 versus uh, 27 that are non-executives. And obviously, there's been an, an average of about 15 females executives. So the numbers, and, and we're coming from a very low base, but you can see a little bit of an increase that is coming up under regular, you know, that's picking up more. Um, so out of, I mean, out of uh, 17 out of the 28 has less than 30 females, but you're also getting 15 out of 28 has also, you know, you're getting um, non-white executives. So there has been some progress from a female perspective from that, although very slow. Sure. Can I just cut in there? Yes, yes. Obviously, I cover the property industry historically uh, quite extensively, but, you know, it's almost like you look at property and you can just drop the names and with other industries you can't necessarily do that on the listed side you have Amelia BT Yulana Fulbulion yeah um, 
Jackie Fanikak. Um, and then uh, unlisted but property services. We profiled uh, Ipilim mm. Makari uh, last year for Women's Month. And then uh, Nomzamo Khadebe uh, with JHI and um, Mana van der Valt. So those names just roll off the tongue from that perspective. So I'm sure there is some kudos to be given to the property sector from a, a woman empowerment side. But it's very huge. So one would expect more empowerment from that perspective. Correct. So the good thing about it, and I don't know whether because we know each other well enough, but the property sector or, I don't know, in certain places, yes, in, from the numbers, one would feel that it's big, but from from the industry side, it's just that it's a handful of people, so we know each other. So the reason and the point that you are making when you say you can drop the names, it's because it's a feel and touch. You can feel it. It's not like there's a name and go, who, where, mm. how? You know, you can, you know the names, you can relate to the names, you see the people, you know prominently what, when, what they are doing. And the names are real in the perspective of the people that are out there and that are making very progressive growth from that perspective. But you still say on the same breath, still not enough and we still need to push some more. So, I mean, and we will certainly be seeing um, also a bit of some progress because we've actually accelerated. So you will see, you know, we revise the property sector code ever so often. So there's a progress that has been made. There's a one that would be coming up. So the next property sector code that is being reviewed. So you will even see higher targets of women with expectations that um, every single company would then be expected to do a little bit more than what other industry expected, mainly because of the force, the push that has been put by the industry to be able to say, okay, from where we come from, we've been lagging behind. But at the same time, we've seen a lot of women that are coming up, um, studied in the right spaces, and those that may not even have studied in the right spaces have had the right experiences. So we are pushing even harder and pushing ourselves even more than uh, what the standardized Uh, targets would be in comparative to other sectors. So the next quote you will see that if other people are saying reach 35 for the women, uh, the property sector will say, okay, we're going for 45. Hmm. So those are the kind of targets you will be seeing. And all of those will be targeting in all the various elements. So you'll see in ownership, the targets are going more higher in employment equity in all levels, senior, middle, junior, is going higher okay. in management controls. So the voting rights of women, the executives in women, the uh, mentors in women is going higher. Your spend in terms of capacity and capability for women to actually be able to be in the right position will be going higher, including the procurement of what companies, where you the companies should be spending their procurement with women-owned companies is actually going a little bit higher. And there's been some moves to actually do that. But in order to fuel all of these things in progress, not only do we just measure and we measure and say, oh, we're not doing well and we it's not exactly where we want to, but we've had a lot of some good initiatives. I mean, we've had master classes of ownerships in terms of women-owned classes and women sitting in boards to say, 
what is expected of us to then be actually to be sitting and becoming non-executives. And we've done that with WPN and then and we've partnered with other other entities as well. So in the master classes and say what is expected, what is a fiduciary duty for women in order to do that. So we are aligning all of those things with the um, expectations of where we, we would be expecting companies to do. So you will then be seeing um, as we progress along the more emphasis on women, there'll be more support in terms of women. We'll be also highlighting those organizations that have actually done well in order to actually give the the carrot effect to those that are doing well to announce it. And not only is in uh, women in leadership, you then have a lot of organizations that are very women-dominated organizations. So there are a few of those where you get a lot more women, Liberty Two Degrees, for an example. There's quite a number of women in comparison to the others. So there, there is a lot, but there are organizations such as WPN that's also been doing their bit um, progressively in order to bring up and support even SMMEs, organizations that are run by women. So from that light in progress, there has been a lot of progress, but we are not putting the plug as yet, and we're not saying it's enough as yet. We still have a lot more to go, and we will be proudly, hopefully, be able to see even far much more achievement in this space um, than we currently are seeing. And we call, we want to continue to thrive and strive to reach for more. Posha, thank you so much for your time. We'll have to leave it there. That was Posha Tausikati, CEO of the Property Sector Charter Council. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Property Pod with Suren Naidu, brought to you by Asset, South Africa's leading digital commercial property magazine. To listen to more episodes, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates. Follow Suren on Twitter at Suren Naidu for more of his property industry content and other business stories. The Property Pod. Pod. MoneyWeb, your trusted source for business and investment insights.